You're about to listen to a message from Every Nation Church Midrand, the place where people come to be changed and discipled to transform society. Hello, welcome again to our broadcast today. I'm sure you are enjoying your break, your holiday, as we go into the Word of God. We'll continue with our series. We're looking at Jesus Christ. We've seen Jesus Christ, the Word, Jesus Christ, the Son, and now we're going to look at Jesus Christ, the Savior. Okay. Yes, he is the savior of the world. And um, it's important that we identify all these aspects about him so that we can benefit. We can benefit maximally from, um, from the revelation and the understanding that we receive from, from the scriptures con- concerning Jesus. So I want to start by looking at Matthew chapter 1. Let's read Matthew chapter 1 from verse 18. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins okay so now i mean this this joseph being a just man he was betrothed to mary and remember during that time betrothal is 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 almost as good as marriage although it's not the marriage itself and uh, so it's, it's kind of like engagement, but it's, it's, it's stronger than what we call engagement. So, um, they've been, he, he is uh, he's betrothed to Mary, and they're getting ready to get married. Then in the midst of all of that, Mary comes to tell Joseph, look, I have conceived, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, and the Holy Spirit is responsible for this pregnancy. Can you imagine what it was to Joseph? (laughs) Yeah, right. The Holy Spirit. Okay, okay. Uh, And and, and Joseph was disturbed about this. And he decided, okay, fine. Um, The best thing is I don't want to be part of the life of this child. The best thing is I just want to put Mary away secretly. I don't want to go and report her uh, to the authorities for um, for fornication because she would be stoned so um, yeah I would just walk away quietly and that was the plan <laughs> he, he had that plan and um, but then while he thought about this while he strategized how he's going to do this the Bible says that um, he had a dream and in that dream the angel of the Lord came to him and told him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. You know, yes, she, 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 she has conceived, 
But what she said is true. It's actually the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that impregnated her. She was not promiscuous. No, she's not making up stories. This is for real. This is for real. And, and he says in verse 21, he says, She will bring forth a son, and you will call him Jesus. His name, Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Remember, the name Jesus is from, uh, is from the Hebrew word, or Jesus is the, is the Greek version of the Hebrew word Yeshua. Okay? Yeshua. So, and, uh, and Yeshua means he shall save. All right? Or Yehoshua, which means Joshua. Joshua. So that was the name the angel told, told um, Joseph. This is the name you're going to call him when he's born. I remember Mary had been given the same name when angel Gabriel appeared to her in a vision um, in, in the book of Luke. So uh, now the, the, the angel comes to Joseph and he assures him that this is the doing of the Lord. He assures him that this is the doing of the Lord and he should not be afraid to take Mary as his wife. And, but I want to zero in on what the angel said. He will save his people from their sins. I want you to notice the word sins there. He will save his people from their sins. He is going to save us from our sins. And his people here obviously was talking about the Jews, but later on we realized that he's not just a savior of the Jews, but he's a savior of the whole world. He's a savior of the whole world. Let's look at that in, um, in John chapter 4. Okay, in John chapter 4, we see here when Jesus was in Samaria, after he, after the encounter with the, Samar, uh, the, the, the Samaritan woman in, in John chapter 4, um, verse, verse 39 says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. Okay? Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him and we know that this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. Okay, this indeed is the Christ, the Savior of the world. So he's not only a Savior of the Jewish people, but he's a Savior of the world, the entire human race. This is this is what God prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15 to the serpent. 
He says, I'll put enmity between you and, and, uh, and the woman. And he says, it has seed. Has seed is going to bruise your head. Uh, you will bruise his heel, but he's going to bruise your head. He will crush your head. Let me read that in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, after God made, after Adam and Eve ate from the tree of uh, knowledge of good and evil, in verse 15, the Lord said, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So, this is the seed of the woman. And, and you see, the, 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 the seed of the woman here is a reference to the virgin birth. Because we know biologically that the woman does not produce any seed. Instead, she produces the egg. Okay? She produces the egg. The seed usually would come from the man. Because the man is the one that has the sperm. The sperm which is the seed. So if Joseph was not Jesus' biological father, and Mary conceived, where did the sperm come from? Where did the sperm come from to fertilize Mary's egg and to, to, um, to, make, to, 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 to make her to conceive? And we, if you remember when we talk about Jesus the Son, the angel said to Mary that the Spirit of the Lord will overshadow her and that she would conceive. So it is purely 100% the work of God, okay? The work of God for her to conceive. So Joseph was not the biological father of Jesus, and, but we know that God prepared a, a, a body for Jesus in Mary's womb. Okay? And why is that important? Why is that critical? How, why is it important when it comes to the salvation of humanity? It is critical, it is important because every human being after Adam, every human being had a sentence upon their lives. Okay, so um, the emphasis in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21 is that he will save his people from their sins. So each and every one is a sinner, everybody is a sinner. Until Jesus came, until we received Jesus, uh, we walked with sin. Alright, now there are three categories of sin. Yeah, he says he will save his people from their sins. So the sins there is in plural. He will save them from their sins. So there are different categories of sins, okay? The first category of sins that I want to talk about is the sin, imputed sin. 
There is sin that is imputed to every human being, every human being that comes on the face of the earth. Let's look at Romans. Romans chapter 5. And in the book of Romans, you see there that uh, the Bible makes it clear to us. The Bible makes it clear to us. And um, I'll read. I'll read from verse 12. Romans 5, 12. It says, Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all have sinned. Okay? So you see here, through one man, and we know who that man is, through Adam. Through Adam, sin entered into the world. There was no sin until Adam ate from that tree. There was no sin until Adam ate. He transgressed the law of God. And so through that, death came over all men. Verse 13 says, For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. So if there is no law, there can be no sin. There can be no violation if there is no law. And then verse 14 says, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who have not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. So you see there, yes, we, uh, from Adam, death began to reign. So there is a sin, there is a sin that from Adam is placed upon humanity. Okay? So Jesus comes to deal with this. Jesus comes to deal with this. Yes. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for Jesus. Verse 15 says, But the free gift is not like the offense. For if by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like what that which came through the one man who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through one Jesus Christ. All right. So you see here that um, Adam, because of Adam, sin, sin was imputed to the human race. That's the one 
category of sins, okay, is imputed sins. There's imputed sins. But then, apart from imputed sins, we also have inherited sins, okay? Inherited sins. And inherited sin is not just, it is, it's not just Adam, but inherited sin is the sin we inherit from our parents. All right. Yes. The psalmist says, in sin did my mother conceive me. In iniquity I was shapen. Okay. So there the is the sinful nature. So the, the, the inherited sin is speaking about the sinful nature. All right. Nobody taught you how to lie. Nobody taught you how to um, how to be mean <laughs> to, to 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 others. Every child learns this just by the sinful nature. The sinful nature. Nobody is taught how to be jealous of another. Nobody is taught how to be selfish. Okay, nobody is taught. There's no place where you go and receive lessons on selfishness and so on. No, the sinful nature is what teaches us those things. So each and every one of us have received the sinful nature from our parents. We receive it from our parents. So that sinful nature is an inherited sin. So the coming of Jesus is to address the sin that it was imputed through Adam and then also to address the sin that came to us through our parents, the sinful nature. So Jesus destroys the power of, this, of these sins and that's what his salvation has done to us. Okay? Yes, that's why salvation has done to us. And then, apart from, apart from inherited sin, there is now sins that we commit by ourselves. All right? So this has nothing to do with Adam. This has nothing to do with parents. This has to do with our actions or inactions. All right? So our actions or inactions now make us guilty. So we have the guilt of sin from Adam. We have the guilt of sin from our parents. And then we have the sin of guilt. We have the guilt of sin that we ourselves led. Well, we, we participated. We took part in it. We did it. So everyone, everyone on earth has, uh, is guilty of these three categories of sins. So, you see, so that's why nobody can save himself. There's nobody on earth. There's no other name by which man can be saved. That's what the Bible tells us, right? Yes. So we cannot be saved. You cannot save yourself. Your good works are not good enough because your good works can't go far back to deal with the guilt from Adam that was imputed to you all right your your good works cannot go that far 
Your good works cannot go that far. Your good works cannot deal with what you inherited from your parents. The sinful nature that is in your flesh. Yes. The sinful nature is in the flesh. And that is what, that's what if you read chapter 7 of, 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 of Romans, Paul is talking, oh, there is, that I, I want to do this, and then I'm not able to, and I don't want to do this, I found myself doing this, and who will deliver me from this law that is at work in me? That is the sinful nature. That is inherited from our parents. So, but God, through Jesus Christ, has come to break the power of that, to destroy that over our lives. So as the savior of the world, as a savior of the world, he's saving us from what we inherited from Adam. He's saving us from what we inherited from our parents. And he's saving us of our own individual guilt. Isn't that wonderful? Yes, I thank God for Jesus. And Jesus is able to save to the uttermost. That's what the Bible says. Hmm? Yes. Let me read a scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 7. And um, in verse 25 it says. Wherefore he is able to save them. To the uttermost that come unto God by him. Seeing he ever liveth. To make intercession for them. He's, he is able to save to the uttermost. Huh? His salvation. His ability to save. Is so conclusive. Is complete. Is not just part, part salvation. No, is entire salvation. Entire salvation. So we thank God for Jesus, the Savior. Jesus, the Savior, who has been sent to save us from our sins. To save us from our sins. And if you are, if you are fighting with guilt, whether it is from, from Adam, or if it is from your parents, or if it is from you, I declare freedom from guilt over your life. You know, you just need to go before God. Go before God and, and repent. Repent and ask Him for forgiveness. Ask Him to take away, to take away those sins. And um, you will be made free. Romans 8 1 says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. So there is therefore now no condemnation. There is no condemnation. There is no sentence over your life. There is no guilty sentence over your life because of Jesus. He has come to save you and he has taken that sentence upon himself. And so we need to appreciate him. Appreciate him for what he has done. He has done a great work, I'm telling you. 
has done a great work to deliver us. He has done a great work to save us. To save us from our sins. Yes. And not only that, the scripture says that he ever liveth to make intercession for us. He's making intercession for you right now before the Father. It's pertaining the work that he has done being appropriated in your life and to your account. So what you need right now is faith. What you need right now is faith in the finished work of Jesus on the cross. You need faith in Jesus as your Savior. Not only faith in him as the Word of God or faith in him as the Son of God, but now you need to have faith in him as your Savior. Hallelujah. That's what he came for. So he's there to save you. If you cry out to him, he will save you. Look into your life and see what is it that is working in my life? What is it that is working in my life that I need to repent of? Okay. Yeah. And you need to bring that before the Lord. Let me say this. Do you know that the whole of the human race is sinful? Okay, on without Jesus, let me qualify. Without Jesus, the entire human race is totally sinful, is totally corrupt, is totally wicked, absolutely wicked. Because in Jeremiah 17, he says that you know, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. So there is wickedness in each and every one. Every heart that is not submitted to Jesus does not have the capacity to resist wickedness. It does not have the capacity to resist the, the propensity for deception. All right. So the whole world, the whole world, it doesn't matter where, where you are, whether you are in Japan whether you are in, uh, in the North Pole, in the South Pole, whether you are in America, whether you are in Europe, whether you are in Africa or Asia, it's the same thing. The same guilty sentence is on the entire human race. It's on the entire human race. And let me say this for, um, let me take a moment to just, Mention something. There is a there is a there is a doctrine. There is a there is a strange doctrine, which is being peddled by some. It's called the doctrine of inclusion, or inclusivism. Now, the doctrine of inclusion was um, is a doctrine that teaches that Jesus came to die for the whole world, and it takes that scripture that. Jesus is the savior of the world and it says that every single human being is going to be saved whether they apply whether they have faith in Jesus or not so in other words what that doctrine is teaching is that it doesn't matter whether you're Muslim Buddhist uh, Hindu uh, animist whatever it is you are at the end of everything Jesus is going to save everybody so everyone is included. 
in the salvation of um, the, in the work of Jesus. So in as much as Jesus is the savior of the world, he will not save anyone without appropriating faith. Okay? Without faith in him. He will not save anyone without repentance, for instance. So there has to be repentance and there has to be faith in order for the salvation, the work of salvation that Jesus did to be appropriated. It's not just going to be a default work that everybody, every human being will just be saved. Please don't believe such nonsense. Yes. So he is here to save us from our sins, but we have a part to play. We have a role to play. And that role is to repent. The word to repent means to, to change your mind, to change your direction. Okay? And then to embrace him. So one of the foundations of the faith, the foundation doctrines of faith, is repentance. Uh, it's repentance from from, uh, from, from dead works. Alright. We have to repent. Faith towards God. And repentance. So we need to exercise faith towards God. If we want to be saved. You can't exercise faith in yourself. And then expect. Expect that uh, at the end of the day. God will just save you. Even though you have tried to be good. Let me tell you. You try to be good. You are just a good sinner. Yeah. You try to be moral and you don't put your faith in Jesus. You're just a moral sinner. That's all. So we need Jesus. Without Jesus, there's no way we can approach the Father. He's the one that says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. For no man can come to the Father except by me. The Jesus is the only one in history. In the, he's the only one that I've made such a bold statement. All the other religions... None of them, none of them is able to make such a bold statement. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, so he is the savior. He's, he is here to save us from all our sins. Whether it's imputed sin, whether it's inherited sin, or our individual sin. What we did or did not do. And you know what? The interesting thing is that in the book of James, it says that if you break one law, you are guilty of all. So you can't say, well, uh, you know, I'm a good person and all of that. If you have ever lied before, then you are guilty of every, every other sin. Okay? So think about it. It's like a chain. If you break one part of the chain, then the whole chain is affected. So that's how it is with sin. Okay? So only Jesus has the power. He has the ability to save us, to save us from our sins. And not only did he save us from our sins, he also came to save us from the consequences of our sins. Okay? The consequences of our sins. And remember the Bible says that death came through Adam. When Adam sinned, he opened the door to death. So sin brought all kinds of things to the human experience. Through sin, 
its separation happened between God and man. Through sin, there was conflict in Adam's family. Cain kills his brother. Those are all consequences of sin. And so many other things that we see today, they are a result of sin. So sometimes we tend to focus on the results of sin rather than focus on the root cause. So Jesus did not just come to deal with the symptoms of sin. He came to deal, to deal a hard blow to the root, to the, to the root cause of man's condition, which is sin. Yeah. So he came to save us from our sins. And I want to say this, there are three aspects of salvation, okay? There are three aspects of salvation that uh, Jesus has fully paid for. The first aspect of salvation is instantaneous. It's instant. For, for, for instance, when you invite Jesus into your heart, you immediately, it's not a progressive thing, it's immediately, when you invite him into your heart, you immediately get saved. The, a new work happens in you. Second Corinthians chapter 5, 17. If any man being Christ is a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come. So there is something that happens instantly. Okay? There's a work of salvation that happens instantly when you put your faith in Christ. And when you repent, when you repent of your sin, he comes and does a supernatural work in your spirit. Okay, so the immediate work of salvation happens in your spirit. But then there is also a progressive work of salvation. And the progressive work of salvation happens in your soul. Remember, you have, you have a spirit, a soul, and a body. Okay, a spirit, soul, and body. So the spirit part is the part that gets born again. That's the part that gets born again. So the work of salvation goes deep down into your spirit and recreates that spirit and makes it a brand new spirit. But then Jesus now still has to continue to work in our lives. And that brings me to the next aspect of, sal uh, of salvation, which is progressive. Okay? It's, it's a progressive work of salvation. It's a progressive work of salvation. So that, that uh, in the book of James, in the book of James, let me see. In James, where it says, receive with meekness. It says, receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. All right. Yes, let me see. That scripture in the book of James. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Yes, where is that scripture now? I'm trying to remember. <laughs> yeah, so um, Jesus, Jesus is, 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 has done a work that you get saved from immediately, but then you need to continue to renew your mind. You need to continue to renew your mind. As you continue to renew your mind, uh, the work of progressive salvation 
begins to happen in you. Yes, my Lord and my God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Yeah. Uh, yes, receive with meekness. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just, I'm using a different Bible. So, all right, anyway, <laughs> just, you, you look for it. Okay, yes. He says, um, re receive with meekness, receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls, okay? Which is able to save your souls. So the word of God, look at it, it's right here in front of me. Chapter 1 of James, verse 21, it says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Okay? Yes. So James is not speaking to unbelievers here. He's speaking to people who have already given their lives to Christ. Okay? He is speaking to people who have already given their lives to Christ. But what does he mean? Which is able to save your souls. So there is a, there is a progressive work that happens when you continue to renew your mind with the word of God. So while you're taking in the word, Jesus is doing a work saving your soul. It's like parts of your soul are being saved progressively, progressively, progressively. Verse 22 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. Be hearers of the word and not doers only, deceiving yourself. So there is the progressive work of salvation, which Jesus is still doing on a daily basis as we continue to get into the word of God. And that's why you need to get the word of God in you on a daily basis. Every day, take the word of God. Even if it's a little bit, you take it and meditate on it and let it wash your soul. Let it redeem your soul. Hallelujah. Then there is a third aspect of salvation, which is a future thing. Okay? I am saved. Okay? When I gave my life to Jesus, I got saved. As I continue to renew my mind, I am being saved. And when Jesus appears, I shall be saved. So there is a future aspect of salvation as well. And this is an all-encompassing work that Jesus has paid for. All right? So every single one of us needs to be saved. We need to be saved. And I'm telling you, don't put your faith in anything else in this world. There's nothing else in this world that is able to save you. Alright, if you put your faith in the systems of this world, you will be let down. You'll be let down. Why? Because the systems of this world are, are run by people who are sinful. They are run by people who are wicked. The heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked. Alright, even governments of the world are wicked. <laughs> Because if as long as their hearts are not under the lordship of Jesus, 
they are wicked. So the, 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 the three arms of government without the, the lordship of Jesus are wicked. <laughs> Just look at it that way. Whether it is the legislators, yes, legislators that don't have the lordship of Jesus in their hearts, they've not received Jesus into their heart, they will promulgate laws that are wicked and anti-Christ. So the, the, the fact democracy is not part of salvation, it's not salvation. So as Christians, we, our Savior is Jesus, not democracy. Our Savior is Jesus, not the systems of this world. Jesus is the Savior of the world. Okay? Whether it is the legislative arm of government, whether it is the uh, judicial arm of government, even the judicial arm of government, as long as Jesus is not Lord, the propensity for corruption still is still there. And that's why we see there's so much corruption all over the world, not just in Africa, not just in South Africa, everywhere. There is corruption everywhere. People, man needs to be saved. Man needs to be delivered. Jesus has broken the power. He has destroyed the power of sin. But it must be appropriated by faith in order for us to be saved. Saved from, from, from our sins and then the consequences of sin. Corruption is a consequence of sin. It's a consequence for sin of, of sin. So unless something is done, man will always find creative ways to carry out the desires of their heart. The desire of man's heart is continually evil. His imagination is continually evil. Unless Jesus has done a work in the heart of a man. Okay. So I don't care what it is, whatever um, politicians, they are corrupt without the lordship of Jesus. Scientists are corrupt without the lordship of Jesus. Even pastors, even pastors who are saved, if they don't allow the lordship of Jesus, then there is room for corruption. The entire human race needs Jesus. So Jesus has come to save us. He has come to save us. He's the savior of the world. He's the savior of the world. And I want you to put your faith. Put your faith in him. Allow him to do a work in your heart. Allow him to work in your heart. Religion will not save anybody. Religion will not save anybody. Rituals will not save anybody. No. Only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. And we must. We must. Be bold about that. Even at this time. This season. Celebrating the, the, the birth of Jesus. Think about it. He is the savior. Of the world. Hallelujah. Yes. So, are you putting your faith in legislature? Well, it's good to have legislature, but remember, even the law enforcement agents, 
If they are not under the lordship of Christ, they are subject to corruption as well. The whole world lies in wickedness. That's what the Bible says. Let me read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 19. It says, we know that we are of God and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world. There is no part of this world except where the kingdom of God is in manifestation, except where the lordship of Jesus is, is in place, I'm telling you, the enemy is at work. Corruption is not only in governments, it is also in the corporate, it's also in, in business, it's, it's everywhere, it's in every career, it's in every profession, it's in every life, it's in every home, except we allow Jesus to rule. We allow Jesus to rule. So Jesus has destroyed the power of sin. He has destroyed the power of sin. He has come to save us. He has come to save us from our selfish desires. He has come to save us from our, our self-worship. You know, yes, some of us worship ourselves. He has come to save us from our idols. He has come to save us from our sins, from our sinful nature, and from our wicked acts. I pray that the Lord will do a deep work in your heart. May the Lord do a deep work. I don't know about you, but I want you to, to put your faith in Jesus. I want you to put your faith in Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe you. I trust you. I see you as my Savior. I want you to come into my heart. Come into my heart and, and, and wash away my sins. And maybe you've given your life to Jesus, but you've not surrendered to his lordship. Okay, I want you to surrender to that and allow him to save you from sin, yes, and to save you from the consequences of sin. And the salvation from the consequences of sin, there are so many consequences of sin. What we see in the world today, the violence, the wickedness, and so on, these are all consequences of sin. Jesus came to save us from all of those. And so, Lord Jesus, I pray. I pray, O oh God, that you would, um, would move, move in our lives, move in our homes, move in our hearts. Move, move, manifest your saving power. You are the one that is able to save to the uttermost. We surrender to you right now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you're watching me, listening to me, and you have not surrendered your life to Jesus, you've not given your life to Jesus, and you want to do that, you want to invite him to become your savior, to come into your heart to save you. Just repeat this after me and mean it with all of your heart. Say, dear Jesus, I thank you for coming, for coming to the world to save me 
for my sins. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth that you are Lord. Come into my heart. Wash away my sins. I repent of all my sins. I ask that you would remove my guilt. Give me a new heart. Make me a new person. Help me to love what you love and to hate what you hate. Thank you, Jesus. I surrender to you. You're my Savior, my Master. I receive you with joy. Thank you. Amen. Wonderful. I want to pray for you, Father. I pray. I pray for my brother, my sister. We'll just pray this prayer. Lord, I ask that you will manifest yourself. Let the reality of the new creation dawn upon them right now. Let your kingdom come upon them and manifest your, your rulership in their hearts and in their lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now you're going to give your offering. Maybe you've given or you're about to give. You haven't given yet. I want to pray for you as you give. As you give to support the work of God. I want you to be generous as you give. And let's trust God to move in our finances. Okay. God has blessed us with a beautiful place. A beautiful home. And we are busy doing. We'll be doing a lot of work to renovate that place and to make it befitting. So we're trusting God to, to meet that need. Alright, Father, I thank you for your people as they give. Lord, I speak your blessing. Let doors open. Oh, Father, let opportunities come their way. I ask for financial wisdom. I ask for ideas, wealth-creating ideas. I ask for your favor to come upon them. Lord, I declare promotions for them, oh, Father like never before. Thank you, Lord. I give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Wonderful people. God bless you real good. Thank you for joining us. Please share this. Share this with your friends. Share it on your timeline. Share it on your social media. And may God bless you real good. We'll see you again same time next week. God bless. This ministry has come to you live from Every Nation Midrand. For other life-changing messages and more information, log on to www.everynationmidrand.org.